This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and your one-stop shop for optimizing all your office technology. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Is it caught? Is it caught? Oh my goodness, it's caught! DeAndre Hopkins caught it! He caught it for a touchdown! You've got to be joking me! Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Kyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the guys who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. Well, we are gathered here together today, gentlemen, to talk about one of the top 10 teams, according to NFL.com, when it comes to biggest bandwagons 2021. You can't have an offseason without a bandwagon and without a ranking power pole of said bandwagons. And at last check, real-time check of the power pole of offseason bandwagons, the Cardinals rate sixth, according to NFL.com, but once again, another reason not to show up in week one and just forfeit the game, apparently, is because the Tennessee Titans are number one oh my God. in the offseason bandwagon category as we say, welcome in to Cardinals Underground, Paul Calvisi, Darren Urban, I, and Kyle Oda. We're getting dangerously close to the part where Paul, people start thinking Paul Calvisi works for the Titans. I mean, jeez. <laughs> I'm just passing along all the flowery praise of the Titans, and I hope, you know what? I hope they're reading it, and I hope they listen to Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner in the Arizona Cardinals, because I'm going to continue to reiterate and repeat all this and hope they believe it and they start smelling themselves and they set themselves up for a big smackdown in week one. Paul has no idea who the Cardinals play in week two, guaranteed. <laughs> one game at a time, Kyle. That's that's how it works around Wouldn't here. Wouldn't you rather have a – I mean, if you're, if you're a team without a bandwagon in an offseason, that's not a good sign. It's just not. Yeah, well, uh, they shorted a lot of teams in this bandwagon poll because they put names into the teams. Like Joe Burrow is on the biggest bandwagon, so it wasn't just teams; it was also individuals. So you. there you go. I'm surprised actually. J.J. Watt didn't make. Maybe it was others to be named later or whatever it was. Well, you know, I mean, we part it, two. He's included in the Cardinals bandwagon, isn't he? I mean, <laughs> okay, yeah, we'll take that. Um, here's the thing about the Cardinals, and, and once again, we're forecasting football camp starting real soon right around the corner and there's the known there's the unknown there's what we think we know and we're talking about the defense and I think of what Kyler Murray told Pat McAfee back in the early stages of the offseason when McAfee asked about the Cardinals inconsistency and specifically the six and three start everybody now the two and five finish and Kyler's response was and I quote you just didn't know which team you were getting interesting what do you make of that assessment on last year and is that something they have to account for and remedy this year and if so how uh well first of all when you brought up pat mcafee and kyler murray i thought you were going to bring up the baseball stuff so that's probably good no, let's not darren because you actually started no, that know, let's not go down here this is a defensive podcast there paul are you an assistant producer for the pat mcafee show giving them content <laughs> I don't, I don't know how they're going to – I mean, I, I think they need to find more consistency on both sides of the ball. I mean, you know, we talked last week uh, about the offense, and, and I think that's a big part of it. Um, and, you, you know, you need to know – you can't be in a situation where you're in the next to last week of the season playing a, a, 
broken down 49ers team and score 12 points or whatever they scored. So that's part of it. But I mean, I, I do think on the other side of the ball, they, they need some of that consistency too. They need to make sure that that pass rush is there all the time when they need it. They need to make sure that their coverage is there when they need it against certain teams, especially, I mean, uh, obviously I think defensively they did a nice job in certain situations last year, but you know, the Rams still continue to be a problem. Uh, the Seahawks can be a problem. And, and those are teams that, you know, the Seahawks, even when the Cardinals beat them last year, still got, what, 34 points. So mm-hmm. you, you got to be in a position where in the division you got to be able to tamp that stuff down. And I think the Cardinals are still chasing that to a I, certain extent. I think their consistency on defense this season is going to be directly correlated with the health of J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones. I think if those two guys are on the field – I'm not worried about consistency because we have talent. And that, that that will trump consistency. You put good players on the field, you're going to be consistently good. You're not worried Who's about leading them. You're not worried about cornerback, yeah. for example. You're not uh, I mean, well, we'll get into that a little bit. If they do fail this year, it won't be from a lack of resources or investment on the defensive side of the ball, will it? Right. Yeah, I mean, they've spent uh, about $105 million of the salary cap figure this season on the defense, which is top five in the NFL. And you have that ability. For that side of the ball, top yeah, five in the NFL for money spent on defense. Right. And and because of Kyler Murray's rookie deal, they had money to spend, and they put some on offense. Obviously, D-Hop is the, one of the highest-paid players in the NFL, non-quarterbacks. Um, but they've put a lot on defense. J.J. Watt, Chandler Jones, Buda Baker, and they have also spent – draft capital there with Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons their last two first round picks have been on defense so I think we don't talk about the defense as much as the offense and I think we should because I feel like the defense has the potential to be better than the Cardinals offense this season a year ago they made a significant improvement number 12 in points allowed and so okay uh, do they have a realistic opportunity to get into the top 10 because if you're Talking to Vance Joseph and defensive coaches, that's where they start. Points allowed. Honestly, you know, you could do you can do the whole uh, okay overall defense and yards. Uh, they're not into that anymore. It, it's still points allowed. At least when we interviewed Vance Joseph on the Big Red Rage. So uh, I'm not a huge fan of points allowed. I mean, in big enough sample sizes, definitely. But it, points can be a little bit fluky because it depends on how fast you're playing. What, what Cliff Kingsbury does, if they go for it on fourth down a bunch and sometimes they make it, but sometimes they're turning the ball over at their own 40, I mean, that that's on the defense for points, even though the team started at the 40-yard line. So I think defensive fi- efficiency metrics are more important. Football Outsiders does a good job, Pro Football Focus, and they said top 10 last year for the Cardinals' defensive efficiency, and I, I would lean toward that more so than total yards, points per game. I think you have to look beyond the box score. The uh, the 2006 Monday Night Meltdown Cardinals defense has a, has a bone to pick with you about points allowed. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I'm not saying nothing's absolute. Uh, I mean, <laughs> obviously, okay? And, and yeah, there could be garbage points tacked on at the very end, and I get it, and, it can, and the coaches get frustrated by that, and that impacts the rankings and the ratings and, and the points per a lot. I, I get all that, but, you it's, know. It's a fair reference it, point. If you take – I'm just – take that Big plus, plus yeah. for example, a uh, quarterback passer rating allowed right. a lot of times is pretty telling on what a defense is doing to an offense. For sure. And so usually the top defenses in the league have the you know best rating against uh, passers. And, and you got to figure, okay, a healthy Chandler Jones, J.J. Watt, 
Bertram Berry has talked multiple times in the Red Sea report about how he really expects Vance Joseph to use them on separate sides of the line of scrimmage. As a you now Vance is talking it up, there are going to be times where he says they're going to be shoulder to shoulder. They're going to be running some games. Okay. But what it does to an offense and offensive line and not be able to slide pass protection, and then you mix in Vance Joseph's ability to get to the quarterback. I mean, it's still staggering that minus Chandler Jones a year ago, the Cardinals were top five in sacks per snap. That to me, that that the way the Cardinals got the pass rush working last year, even though Chandler Jones missed the whole season, I think. That is such a testament to not only some of the players they had, because it clearly did, but but also to what Vance Joseph is capable of doing. And, and I do think that gets lost. And I know 2019 was a tough year for this defense. And I know there was a lot of fans that were unhappy with Vance Joseph, but I think he got some players last year. I think he did a nice job. They had some injuries, and he was still able to overcome them. And, you know, again, it's not the best defense in the NFL and they still can get better at some things. But the, the, the pass rush and the sack total is, is a great example. And we're going to find out, like, you know, I'm curious to see what Hassan Reddick ends up doing in Carolina. Mm-hmm. Was that, a, you know, is that maybe Vance Joseph that, that helped him there? Is it going to be what Hassan is the rest of the year? I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, there clearly was a seven, that was amazing. There was a seven-game stretch where Hassan Reddick didn't have a single snack, a sack. And then all of a sudden he had the five-sack yeah. game, and uh, obviously he was a team leader with a dozen. But there was a big drought in the middle of the year, so it is a little perplexing. I was curious what they were going to make of that. And obviously they elected to invest elsewhere. Uh, yeah, I'm a big Hassan Reddick guy. I thought he had a great year, and I'm, I'm a fan of his skill set, so – I see what you're saying, but I, I'm, uh, I'm a big Hassan Reddick guy. What's interesting is if you look at the numbers, I think I have this right, that Marcus Golden, after his acquisition by the Cardinals from the Giants, had the best pressure rate of any defender in the NFL. And talk about a guy in a good spot. If, if Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt are healthy, Marcus Golden is getting one-on-ones every single time he's on the field, and he, he is always around the quarterback, and sometimes that becomes sacks and sometimes it doesn't, but – one-on-one, I think he could have a big year. The question to me is, okay, Chandler Jones above 30 now, obviously J.J. Watt 32. Are they deep enough in that D-line room, Darren, where you like the rotation? In terms of a Zach Allen, a Lecky Foto, or a Shard Lawrence, do you expect to see waves of pass rushers and defensive linemen, and will it be a true rotation, do you think, especially if Dennis Gardak comes back? Well, I mean, again, you're talking about some different guys and, and situational types things. I mean – Lucky Fotu is obviously going to mean a much different kind of rotation than maybe Dennis Gardeck might be or whatever. But yeah, Fotu's not coming off the edge. I, I do, <laughs> I do think that you have uh, the ability, assuming health, that you know you can go some different places. But like the best part about like Dennis Gardeck's coming off the ACL injury, um, and I don't know if he would be in a in a good place if he had to play every down. And you probably you know work some things if. If either Golden or Jones got hurt, all he again. needs is ninety-three snaps and, to get seven sacks. Ultimately, like knowing that you have that in your extrapolate back pocket, that this year, baby. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that's going to be a big deal for this defense, and and having Vance Joseph prove what he was able to do with the pieces that he had last year. Okay, you know who knows? Maybe uh, Victor Dimokaji can give you a little bit as a as a deep reserve, or if somebody gets hurt, he can step in. You know, as people saying, he's a little bit Marcus Golden-esque. I mean, who who knows how this might turn out? All the players in the Cardinals locker room. A little insight here on Cardinals Underground brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. They have a little whiteboard in their locker. 
and they can write little Tyron Matthew would put his goals up there. I vividly remember one through five. He would have these goals. He put it them would up be there. like 15 interceptions. Yeah, right. It'd just be, you know, preposterous <laughs> yeah. like NFL records, but he put them up there. Yep. I'm going to personally go into Dennis Gardeck's locker and I'm going to grab one of those. You're not uh, allowed in there, Paul. I'm going <laughs> to. Okay, I'm going to say. Metaphorically. I'm going <laughs> to. Metaphorically. I'm, no, I'm going to pay someone to go in there. One of the equipment guys. I'm going to pay him and he's going to write three words on the locker board of Dennis Gardeck. Regression. Oh, wait a minute. Four words. Regression <laughs> to the mean. And that's a Kyle statement because, you know, that's going to be the motivating factor for Dennis Gardeck this year because every time we bring up seven sacks and 93 snaps, Kyle comes out with the regression to the mean, and that should be the catalyst, the kick in the tail pad for Dennis Gardeck. <laughs> I mean, it, it was an unbelievable season, but are we really going to sit here and pretend like we can say that that's going to be normal? I, Anybody, w- Lawrence Taylor would regress wait, wait. from what seven sacks about? in 93. Kyle, if, we, if they gave D- Dennis Gardick 300 snaps, he's going to get 20 sacks. <laughs> exactly. Hey, if he can yeah. be a quality rotation speed rush guy like yeah. he was last season, even if it's, you know, five sacks the entire season, that's valuable. <laughs> like, okay. I mean, I'm just disappointed DeAndre Hopkins after that first game didn't get the 180 catches I was expecting. <laughs> yeah. So do they need – a top five pass rush to mask the weaknesses in the secondary? That's the next question. Do they need that sort of effective pass rush to deal with a lot of question marks right now at corner minus P2? Yeah, I think they need an effective pass rush for sure. It's interesting because you look at the inside linebackers, they're more athletic and able to cover than they've had in several seasons since probably – Carlos Dansby and Daryl Washington together like the the upside of Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons to cover is great your two safeties Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson can both really cover and then yeah I think you like Byron Murphy but when you're playing nickel how do you feel about those other two outside corners and you can make a nice enough case about them where Malcolm Butler is a veteran solid Robert Alford is a solid veteran Darquez Denard solid veteran they don't need to be great because you have some good pieces around them but will it be a black hole? And that's the big worry is, are these guys either going to get hurt or be ineffective? And then, yeah, everything that's good about your pass rush and the the inside linebackers and the safeties can be completely wiped away if you don't have good cornerbacks. You know, I'm I'm curious to know with all the talk about Byron Murphy and, and Vance Joseph uh, talking him up and Steve Kime talking him up when I've talked to Steve Kime, I mean, I don't think it's a lock right now that Byron Murphy is def- is your slot guy. Interesting. I mean, I think I think there's a chance he's your slot guy, depending on the situation. But I don't know. The more I hear them talk about him, I'm interested to see if he plays some outside. Depending on who the other good guys are, like you you mentioned all these people. I, I think Malcolm Butler's going to be out there. Um, but I, I think, with all due respect, and I love his story, and I'm I'm rooting for him. But I think Robert Alford still has to prove he's going to be on this team. Yep. I think Darquez Denard has to prove he's got to be on this team. I'm not saying they're not going to. Uh, they very well end up could be the you know the veterans on this team. And and but I'm just saying I don't think it's absolute lock. Like I look at cornerback on this team right now, and I see two locks as we sit here before training camp, which is Murphy and Butler. And I think everybody else. I, I mean, I if I had to give odds, I'm saying that, you know, you're probably going to see, as long as he's healthy, Robert Alford on the roster, or you're probably going to see Denard on the roster if he's healthy. Um, but I don't think it's a lock-lock. And Denard's a slot and Alford's an outside guy, right? So if Denard proves to be better than Robert Alford, do you 
play him in the slot and play Murphy outside. I, I think what Murphy did last year inside, I think it's more than likely definitely that he'll play slot. But you do have some different options depending on what that number two outside cornerback is. I think optimally you keep him there. But if you feel like the number two cornerback, we just don't have a good option on the outside across from Malcolm Butler, then, yeah, I think Murphy could be an option. And if you're going to play a rookie, you'd much rather have him in the slot. So if Byron Murphy is outside, yeah. could Marco Wilson be a guy, a guy who started as a true freshman at Florida, a guy who's already gotten props and praise from Vance Joseph, picking everything up real quick, seems to be ahead of Tay Gowan, at least on the mental side of things. I'm guessing the defensive coordinators and the defensive coaches trust a rookie on the inside a lot more than sure. they do on the island outside. Yeah, I, would, I would agree with all that. Uh, you know, and, and I would also hope that Marco Wilson would be ahead of Tay Gowan. They, he was picked much higher in the draft yep. than him yep. so no doubt there's that yeah and then you have the safeties and Buda Baker who has the ability to play in the slot at times we at least we've seen it Jalen Thompson how much how much can those two safeties and look Buda Baker's already one of the best despite what some of these rankings have in the offseason okay he's an all pro if Jalen Thompson is healthy I think we're all bullish on him as a player how much does that help the corners and the secondary overall yeah, I think it, it helps a lot when you're playing somebody and, and Buda Baker is your high safety, knowing the range he has and can help you. I mean, you can shade a guy a certain way and play you know outside leverage knowing that Buda Baker is going to help you. So I think the health of Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson is important for that group to know that we have this safety valve in, in the defensive backfield, if if something goes wrong, if we if we don't guard this guy perfectly, we've seen Buda Baker streak across the field myriad times and break up a pass, and he'll keep doing that. He's in the prime of his career, so is Jalen Thompson. So I like that safety duo a lot. I, I'm curious to know what happens at safety because they just have so many guys that you could say, yeah, this guy could be on the roster. Yeah, this guy could be on the roster. Yeah, this guy. Could. And a lot of it is special teams related, um, but – you know, I, I look at those guys, and, I, you know, Jalen Thompson, I think, is definitely your starter with Buda Baker, but he's got to be healthy, and he's got to be out there. And it's I'm curious to know exactly what happens if he does get banged up and, and what how they want to kind of assemble that safety situation back there in terms of, okay, we know Buda and Jalen are going to be our top two guys, but who else do we need on the roster? Who else do we want on the roster in case something does happen to Jalen Thompson again? I think what's intriguing is, for example, you play the 49ers. Is Buda Baker still on George Kittle? Or is it Zayvon Collins or Isaiah Simmons? Isaiah Simmons. You know, because I like your point earlier, Darren, when it's still a game of matchups and how many times were the Cardinals exploited by the running back out of the backfield? That was a big problem. And look, as good as Devondre Campbell was in coverage against the tight end and down the field, and we saw him make numerous plays, especially the first half of last season, Jordan Hicks was a liability against running backs and you saw it in the red zone quite a bit he was usually a step behind and a step slow so Zayvon Collins and or Isaiah Simmons is now that guy and covering that back out of the backfield I think that goes a long way towards improving the Arizona Cardinals defense in 2021 because more often than not they got exploited in that category by opposing offenses I, I know some of it is how the drafts have you know fallen you know we know that the Isaiah Simmons draft that Steve Kime was ready to take Brown, the defensive tackle. If Carolina had taken Simmons, they were just going to flip-flop who they took. And, and obviously that would have changed everything for where this team was. But now that they're in the situation that they are and they've taken the guys that they have, they clearly have made it a priority to 
upgrade that inside linebacker core to be more versatile, to be faster, uh, and and to reflect as we've talked about a million times some of these other uh, linebacker duos that have dotted the NFC West and around the league, and and hopefully it be the anchor of your team. And and look, Vance Joseph has made very clear that there is going to be some hiccups and they're going to make some poor plays at times because of their inexperience. But, you know, again, I, I can understand why you look at the upside of those guys and you get excited, especially when you see some of the other pieces they have on this defense. His mantra in the offseason, players first, scheme second. Yeah, and I'm interested to see the way Zayvon Collins looks in space in training camp because you look at his coverage grade by Pro Football Focus, and it was phenomenal, the stuff he did in coverage. But then you look at uh, his 40-yard dash time, which is significantly slower than Isaiah Simmons. Like, I don't have any doubts that Isaiah Simmons can cover running backs and tight ends in the NFL. I think he's such a gifted athlete. He's so long. He's so fast. Like, I think he can do that. My question with Isaiah is, can he actually play the slot and do that against wide receivers? But that's like bonus. Zayvon Collins, I want to see him against tight ends, against running backs. He's he's a Mike linebacker, so he's not going to be used in that role as much as a Will linebacker like Isaiah Simmons. But like you said with Jordan Hicks, there are certainly times when you've got the running back when he leaks out and they throw that little check down, and can you tackle him? Or, or is he going to make a move on you for an eight-yard gain instead of three? And I think that's an important part for Zayvon Collins to do, and I'm interested to see how he does. One of the big revelations in the offseason – Bill Davis, inside linebackers coach, sharing with us on the Big Red Rage that last year Isaiah Simmons trained at six different positions. Yeah. A half dozen. Now, some of that was uh, precipitated by the fact that Vondre Campbell was still the starter and they wanted to get him on the field, obviously. But to Darren's point about, hmm, could Byron Murphy be the outside corner? It wouldn't be the first time that the defensive coaching staff has sandbagged a little bit, a little bit about going into the season, about how they're going to use certain guys. Because that was not the narrative going into last year that Isaiah Simmons was still going to be used in a Clemson-type style in all these variety of positions. No, in fact, they made it so they, – they said over and over how he was only the inside linebacker. Right. So <laughs> not so much. I think that's fair. And, and, and I, look, there's going to be that certain amount of – subterfuge although gamesmanship not sure 100 percent how much that really impacts anything in the long run but whatever yeah i mean you you saw it last year the one game he's playing free safety the next game he's playing outside linebacker the game after that he's playing some slot like he can move around obviously that's one of his biggest strengths and i think it goes back to last year where they they use him depending on matchups so he could definitely be an outside linebacker against mobile quarterbacks and then play the slot against maybe a bigger wide receiver and and play safety. I think he's definitely going to play inside linebacker the most, but if you like Tanner Vallejo or if Jordan Hicks is on this team and you feel like he can play with Zavin on the inside and move Isaiah around, I think you want to have those possibilities. You have to be versatile on defense because of matchups and because of injuries. Hey, what's not to like about Tanner Vallejo and his dozen tackles against the Rams in week 17? Dude came in and balled. I'm a Tanner Vallejo <laughs> fan. Know? I mean, one of the things. Okay, Darren mentioned. Darren mentioned the <laughs> don't, da- don't get off track here. Darren mentioned the whole daydream aspect, right? Thinking about what was you regretted some prediction. It was uh, yeah, you it went was, with it was the last podcast when yeah. we were talking about Rodney Hudson. I and mean, you wish you had gone with JJ Watt. Yeah. And okay, all right. You just got to talk through those predictions yeah. and pretend they never happened. Mine's a little different. I, I don't have these regrets necessarily. The, the JJ Watt catching a pass no regret. regrets. But I, I do put myself in the shoes of oh, I don't know a Ryan Tannehill. So the moment I'm putting myself in the shoes of any NFL 
quarterback, you automatically know it's a daydream. And the it goes as fits. far. It goes as – actually, the shoe does not say, fit. No, I, so I, so I, I, true, I am making this up on the fly. But it's third down and seven. It's the fourth quarter. You're down a touchdown. You need this game-winning drive, game-tying drive, and you're Ryan Tannehill. And all of a sudden, on third and seven, it's getting pretty funky at the line of scrimmage. You're doing an extended snap count. You're trying to decipher and discern what the Cardinals are doing. And I'm looking to my left, and I got Chandler Jones. And I'm looking to my right, and this 99 guy is grunting and snorting. And then in the A-gap, here's Zayvon Gollins mugging. No, he drops off. Here comes Isaiah Simmons. He's mugging in the other A-gap. And oh, no, here's Buda Baker coming down in off the edge. Who exactly is coming where and when? And how is this going? And there's a lot of guys. They can make a lot of plays at the disposal of a Vance Joseph, and it's going to be intriguing for opposing quarterbacks to try and figure out, okay, you know, who am I starting with in trying to figure out uh, who I'm reading first? And, and I just think with that number of guys who can potentially, especially blitz, because we know Vance Joseph's proclivity to blitz, and I think they had a top three blitz rate mm-hmm. overall right in the NFL, I just I'm intrigued by the options at the disposal of the defensive coordinator, albeit a very long time to get there with that story. I mean, you look back and that's one of the things you remember about the defense is how lethal that jet blitz was. And they got the interception of Russell Wilson off of that blitz and also the sack of Russell Wilson by Byron Murphy. It was extremely effective. And the big question to me is how much do you have to manufacture this season versus how much can you rush for and J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones can just get there because as effective as a blitz is, obviously it's a bigger risk because you're bringing sometimes seven guys and then those guys are on an island on the back end and you can get burnt. So in a perfect world, you don't have to blitz very often. You can just use it when you want to. Last year they had to do it, and I think Vance Joseph was great at it. But up to I think if it's up to him, he'll say, I'd rather it be a luxury. I can use it exactly when I want, but I can rely on four up front to get consistent pressure. And I do think they can get that pressure this year when you look at that front four. Biggest concern on defense. Uh, I'll go first. It's got to be an experienced inside linebacker, is it not? That's, as much as we want to talk about corner and whether they have the talent and they have the manpower at corner, the inexperienced inside linebacker bunges my boxers more than anything else. What about you, Darren? I think I will remain as well you took a you took a pretty easy one there Paul. <laughs> it is pretty I, easy. I noticed why you went first it is pretty and look Vance Joe said he's been here and done this with a young Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman yeah. and they simplified it when he was with yeah. the Niners so okay that, that gives you some confidence he's gonna game plan accordingly I, I I do think for me it's ultimately going to be and and I this is you want the biggest concern uh and I, maybe this isn't the biggest concern. I guess I would go with with the pass coverage in the cornerbacks. Um, I think Mac, Malcolm Butler was was solid last year. I do think Byron Murphy's uh, trending up. Um, but this is such a passing league. I, I hesitated a little bit because I think of this defensive line. I think J.J. Watt is going to be good. Um, but he's getting older. And Chandler Jones is coming off a major injury. And Jordan Phillips was hurt last year and has had really one good season to really stand on. And I do think there is something to be there. But I, I guess I would go with cornerbacks. And I just did two things, and I'm sorry, Kyle. No, I agree. It's health. I think when some of your best players are older and coming off of major injuries, and if you if you don't have Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt at the same time for a significant stretch at all in 2021 – 
you're, you're going to have a hard time being even an average defense. So I think when those guys are on the field, I'm very bullish about this defense. I think from a talent perspective, it's the most talented defense that we've seen in, in several seasons. And I think playing well together would be a big thing. Like I, I think the cornerbacks is certainly the biggest concern when you look at position groups, but I still think they can make it work because of the strength of the other ones. But a couple injuries to Watt and Jones, this defense is going to have trouble. And then, because it always gets back to the Titans in week one. Well, first of all, you, 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 I noticed that the shoes you were trying to fit in were Ryan Tannehill. I mean, you had the entire <laughs> That's league. Right. That's right. You couldn't say Russell Wilson or Darren Matthew Sproles and no. they'd actually fit. One game at a time. The first, wait, what? What was that comment? <laughs> Darren Sproles? That's it. Uh, where's Rondell Moore when I need yeah, him? Yeah, Rondell Moore. Where, where do I need Ron, you know, Rondell Moore? You know, find diminutive American. We'll see when uh, – one of the best stats out there, and, and you know what? You want to talk about defense. I want to see what opposing defenses look like trying to tackle that young man. If everything they're, ta- they're saying about him is true, right down to the teleport comment from Drew Grigson from the Cardinals front office and all these other metrics there, Kyle, as I cater to your uh, you know, uh, tendency towards the numbers of you know, making guys miss at a historic rate. So, I mean, if there is one guy in these preseason games that I want to see, obviously it's Rondell Moore. Is there anyone on the defensive side that you're looking forward to seeing in the three preseason games? I was going to say, are you getting paid per Rondell Moore reference? You're sticking him <laughs> into this defensive podcast? Uh, no. He's going to play for the no. Titans before we know it. Hey, if J.J. Watt can catch passes, Rondell Moore maybe he can cover someone in the <laughs> slot. I don't know. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd like to see Marco Wilson. I think, like we've said, I don't personally think he's going to be in that cornerback mix because of all the veterans ahead of him. And I think he's going to have to show out quickly in camp to be under consideration. But he's got the athleticism. We know he's got the the stature, the good size, the good length. All the physical tools are there. So maybe he's the one guy among that late round third day group that I think maybe could surprise and try to get in that mix. I think it's it's still a bit of a long shot, but Marco Wilson, I'm going to have an eye on. I, I, I'm going to split my vote, Paul. I apologize. I mean, Zayvon Collins, obviously, we want to see him in real games. Uh, but I think the other one, I want to see uh, as we're going to the bus after the New Orleans game, I want to make sure that Robert Alford has nothing on his mm. foot or arms or mm. anything. He's walking like a mm. normal human being. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I mean, hey, he got props from Buddha in the offseason saying he's locking stuff down. So, you know, and, and we've talked about this. There's not a lot you can discern from the offseason, but a corner, if a corner's keeping up, you know, and even though they're non-contact, if he's keeping up and not getting completely burned, I suppose. And you know, he's there and he's step for step with a DeAndre Hopkins. That tells you many cornerbacks have been cut in the off season because they've just been absolutely roasted and toasted uh, during cover drills. So you know, if Robert Alford, I think we'll be able to tell on camp if he's still got it. That's a good point. Even just the the one on one type stuff. That's you're just out on an island and can you physically right? hold up? So I agree and. Not just Robert Alford, not just Marco Wilson, that entire cornerback group beyond Byron Murphy. Everybody's going to be watching the rest of those guys to see how they perform. Because you guys know field level. It is impressive to see a Marco Wilson and a Tay Gowan who's even taller. I mean, he's almost all a 6'2", just to see those two guys as cornerbacks. Yeah. And, and can you flip your hips, though? Yeah. That's, that's corner. The, the measurables, and just to see them, and so we'll find out. We'll find out. But they, they definitely look the part. Um 
And then there was a comment from Buddha. Once again, we purposely leave this to the very end so Kyle does not have much time to comment and disagree with yours truly. But if you are, you're disagreeing with Buddha Baker when he says about this year's defense and the infusion of leadership, quote, now we're able to hold each other accountable. And that's something guys haven't really done the past few years, hold each other accountable. End quote, Buddha to the media, which I thought was one of the most telling quotes that we heard in the offseason. Okay, what does that mean exactly? Uh, I know Kyle's answer to that. But uh, but guess what? You know, if there is a J.J. Watt who was at the beginning of every drill and he's getting to know every single guy in that defense, so in his words, at least what Buddha told us on the Big Red Rage, J.J. wants he wants to be able to interact and talk to every single guy. And that accountability seems to be there at least in a greater quantity than it has been in, in the last couple of years. All I know is I read the Jeff Perlman book about the Dallas Cowboys in the mid-90s, and there was a striking lack of accountability on the Cowboys, <laughs> and they still well, managed to win Super Bowls. Yeah, but that was in regards to the law, not in, not in terms of the locker room and football. That was just oh, yeah, in terms yeah, of – Just outside oh, the locker right. room. They weren't divas in there. Right. Michael Irvin, Deion Sanders, no. they were fine in the locker room. I right? mean, it was all <laughs> Plenty ball, of leadership in there. But it was just when it came to law-abiding citizens, there was a lack of accountability <laughs> based on the uh, – Based on the local police department. That, that, that's my point. Yeah, I, just okay. give me the good players. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, anything else, guys, that we uh, have failed to cover? It, do we need, as we're on the verge of training camp here, is there anything we need to see say about the special teams? And by the way, the prop bet, once again, there's two prop bets out there. J.J. Uh, Watt, will he or will he not catch a pass? Calvisi and Derrick Urban say yes. Kyle says no. What about the return for touchdown this year? Kickoff return. Probably not. Think punt return. No, right? Uh, yeah, I know. I think I'm on the record as uh, punt return was. touchdown. I'm he going was. punt return. This is the year. Punt from return who? touchdown. Your boy Rondell Moore. Rondell Moore. <laughs> well, he's going to teleport. No one's going to be able to right. touch him. Absolutely. He's going to have like 80 of them. That's apparently. right. <laughs> Untouched to the end zone. First time on a punt return since Ted Ginn 2014. Yep. Is the stat the correct? Drew Stanton game. <laughs> the Drew Stanton game. There you go. Okay. All right. So uh, we'll there see you go. if you're a fortune teller. Okay. okay. There you go. Save this podcast. Next stop, Cardinals Camp here on Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. <laughs>